it was amazing. Like within two hours of the whole beginning of the event, they looked pretty darn good. you're listening to a conversation with the Winograds. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Nathan. Today we're going to be talking about something awful that happened to us last week and how sharing that awful story on social media resulted in something wonderful. While out for a walk with our dog Oswald, I came across several mice stuck on glue traps who had been dumped in a bag on the side of the road. Over two days I would find a total of five mice. Two were dead, One was crying but had been sandwiched between two traps and had been partially stepped on, and he died shortly afterward. But two were still squirming, trying to get off, looking up at me. They were covered with poop and flies. I called Jennifer to come pick us up in the car. This is the story of what happened next, how he painstakingly got the mice off the glue traps and nursed them back to health, then released them safely back into the wild. It is also the larger story of how we were able to gently and humanely evict rodents who moved into our attic and crawl space without anyone losing their lives, and how you can too. And it is the story of how the experiences of last week almost broke our hearts and spirits, only to have one and a half million people redeem our faith in humanity. Okay, so tell us what you found last week. I was walking Oswald, coming around a corner, and I looked down, and it was a glue trap that was probably a foot across and maybe half a foot thick with two mice stuck on it. And, and it was just out there in the middle of the street. It, in the, in the road, yeah, right? right? And one of the mice was standing up, another one was lying on his side, but they were like crying. Like they were, and they were look, and I looked on. I was horrified, and I could not believe what I was seeing. And so I picked them up, and they tried to struggle to get off the glue, but they were crying. And that's when I called you to to come pick us up, and I, I just literally started hyperventilating. Yeah, it was I, very, I couldn't articulate what what right. I had in my hands. Uh, and that's when you came. And got me, and we put Ozzy in the car, and I was holding onto the mice, and we raced them to our house. Right, and I so I had read that the best way, we'd never actually gotten mice off glue traps before, and so, but I know that I had read about it uh, somewhere that if you put cooking oil, like a vegetable oil, around the mice, uh, that or whatever creature is stuck, that they it loosens the glue, and you can get the animals off. Yeah. So the first thing we, so we did. we put them on the counter, and then we got some glue. What, what, well, the did, first thing we did was take um, paper to cover up all the exposed parts of the glue, so that when we were trying to get them off, if they moved or shifted or flipped over, they, they didn't also stuck, land in glue. Additionally, get stuck even more than they already were. Right. And, and then very slowly and. Well, no, I think the first thing you did was you offered them water. Oh yeah, so so yeah. they I didn't had no idea how long they were there. I was there first thing in the morning, maybe around seven thirty. So they could have been out all night. Who knows? They could have been there all the prior day's afternoon. And so I got a little tiny bowl and I fed, I gave one of them, tilted it in front of him. And even while he was stuck on the glue. And likely terrified of us. He yeah. was very thirsty. Oh, right? he's just oh, drank so much water and so that sad. also. Killed us. Yeah, <laughs> killed us. 
and the other one drank too. He was a little more stuck because his face was also know, in was, the glue, was and I was worrisome to give him water because he was kind of stuck in a laying down position. But he was we were worried he was super thirsty. Yeah, so. I, I actually didn't think that guy was going to make it. I didn't it. either. I mean, huh. he looked really bad, and he he. And his face was also stuck, like yeah. as if when, so, and I was worried that that his right eye might actually stuck have been in the glue. stuck in the glue right. too. So, I thought we'd probably be able to get the other guy off, but he, even then, like his one leg was almost stuck under him. Like, yeah, twisted it, in a weird position, broken. and there was so much poop on that they had the been thing. There a while, it right? looked like they had been there for a very, very, very long, long time. time. It's just awful. But uh, so it, we were trying to be very careful because we didn't want to rip skin or worse right. you know? and also and, and then so when we were putting the oil on we wanted to be really careful because especially with the guy laying down we didn't want him to drown in oil right right so, so actually what i did was i grabbed a, a plastic disposable pastry bag that i had and i filled that with oil and it cut a tiny little hole at the end of it and then i used that to kind of like guide the oil around his body yeah and so just for was needed for people who are not bakers the pastry bag is like a little oh, like, funnel you with could a probably li- use though a, a, a regular ziploc bag or a bag yeah and you cut a too. little tip Tiny on little the end so, so that, that control the yeah it's oil. it's the kind of thing you use to decorate cakes right for, to yeah. write happy birthday right. and okay. uh and so filled it with oil and just put a little bit of oil in the areas where they are stuck to the glue to what well, I'm not sure if it breaks down the glue yeah, or okay, just makes first, them slippery. What kind of oil? So I just want to go. So I know that uh, a lot. So we did find some information online about how to do, how to do this. It was incomplete, which is one of the reasons why we actually wanted to record this because we wanted to explain everything that we had done to help people if if they come up on a similar circumstance. But one of the things it recommended was olive oil. And I was actually worried about olive oil because I think it can be a little strong and I didn't want to cause any skin irritation. So um, I, from our oil selection, I, I used the uh, sunflower oil. I think we had just a bland vegetable oil that we used. But I think any oil would, would work and in a pinch, definitely. It's better, oil, olive oil would be better than nothing. So anyway... So, so so slow and careful and putting it all around the area. And do you know if it breaks down the glue or just makes them slippery? Because I'm not really sure. Okay, so this is the strange thing about it is that while we were doing it, I was thinking, okay, goal number one is to get get the mice off the glue trap. And then then later after that, get the glue off the mice. But it was very odd the way that they kind of just came away from it. You, I think, were you... It, it, we were very stressed out during it, and so it's I'm not quite my memory's a little fuzzy on how we actually got them off. Were you kind of gently pulling them off the track? So while you were putting the glue on them, I was. Oh, and we had Q-tips, and yeah. I think I was trying to work. Yes. yes, and I was so slow, like almost no force, almost like I was supporting their body, but I was as they were. As you were putting the glue on, I could feel a little bit of movement. And basically, I was just supporting them coming off the glue. So I was was trying to pull them, not pull them. I was supporting their body. And as you were putting the oil on their their little body, I could feel a little bit of give and just literally micro inches that I was pulling them off until they fight with it, holding them with a little towel. And and it didn't seem watching them that they were being hurt by that process. Not at all. They were coming away easily Yes, and they, they weren't vocalizing the way they were when they were stuck to the glue and wanted to get off themselves. So it didn't sound like that there was any pulling of the skin or anything like that. But I was using a little towel to make sure because we're 
giants and terrifying to them. And I wanted to make sure they didn't bite me. And then if they bite me hard enough, I accidentally drop them back into the glue or, or, or they scamper off with glue all over them and they get lost in our house. So I wrapped a little towel around them. Uh, And then once they kind of slipped off the glue, we put them in a a giant bowl with a um, colander on top so that they could breathe, but couldn't escape. And then the next step was to get the glue off them, but there didn't seem to be a lot of it. Yeah, so that's an interesting point about it is that I remember the little guy that had been stuck down most on his side, he had a little chunk of glue on his ear. And as I kind of gently pulled on it, it kind of pulled away, you know, like a, in a long elastic thing. But then it kind of just popped off his ear. And I realized they were they had oil on them, but they didn't seem to have any glue on them. And so... It's not as daunt, nearly as daunting to get them off as it would seem when you're looking at it because that glue is so incredibly sticky. But it also has a kind of a give where it kind of like pops back onto the trap when you pull it far enough. So that seemed to be what happened. So they really didn't have any glue on them. Immediately when we put them in the bowl, they started cleaning themselves. Yeah, and, they did. And, they did. and the guy that was stuck on the ground, he kind of looked like he had, it's, it wasn't glue, but he looked. It was oil. Oh, it was oil. Yeah, Yeah, it was was oily. Okay. And one of the things that we read was that they can, they lose a lot of body heat when they are oily, right? Well, so that was a thing that I had started researching is how do you get the glue off thinking there would be glue. And what I found was a lot of discussion related to getting oil off animals in like that have been in, uh, oil slicks, you know, oil spills, spills, right. And, uh, so they recommended dish soap to do that. And because we were, we started worrying about, so they were off the trap, but they were kind of covered in oil and it looked like their fur couldn't serve as any kind of insulation anymore because it was so slick and stuck down to their bodies. And we were also worried about them possibly going into shock and stuff because of the trauma that they had been through. And so we started trying to figure out like, okay, how do you get, how, okay, so now they're covered in oil. Like, how do we get that off? And we found well, actually, the thing that made me think of it was that we have a uh, one of those shampoos that you put in, that, a dry shampoo, which is essentially cornstarch, which sucks up oil. And so very slowly and methodically, we, we sprinkled a little bit of cornstarch. We had them in a towel, wrapped in a towel, and we would go like well, well before inch by Yes, inch. okay, but before you go there, so we gave up on the... Dish soap oh, water, I, right? Because and we gave, and we didn't use the dry shampoo. We thought, let's just go straight. Well, no, because to, I went and I looked with the ingredients. Yeah, it was cornstarch. So, corn we, so we went, fragrance, and yeah. I didn't want to use fragrance. So we went it. straight to the cornstarch in order to try to fluff them up and get the oil. See if that worked, and if not, right. then we would do the dish soap. But I think we were really both worried about the trauma of now they're going to think they're drowning right, or getting right. the soap off them. Right. So. And and they were slick on their face, and so how do you clean their yeah, little faces with soap and not burn their eyes? Right. Yeah. So so anyway, we sprinkled them each little section by section. We would uncover in the towel a little bit of their body, and we would sprinkle it with cornstarch. And then with my finger, I would just sort of rub it in, and it was freaking magic. Like yeah, it, it immediately there. It was like literally erase the oil right and uh, then I blew on that area to make sure that all the residue went away of the cornstarch because the last thing we wanted was them to like be inhaling cornstarch you know and or eating too much of it or something but so we just did that section by section and then it was amazing like within two hours of the whole beginning of the event they looked 
pretty darn good. They were a little thin. Right, and they were... Uh, they were scared. They were very scared. Parts. And so uh, luckily we had, a, we had an, old aquarium. an old aquarium from when we rescued f- fish in the past. Well, that so normally when you... We, we didn't want to release them right away because right. we figured they may be dehydrated and they hadn't had anything solid, any solid meals. Plus we wanted to figure out where, where are we going to release them right. far away from people and glue traps. Exactly. So that meant away from our neighborhood. Right, because this isn't the first time we found... Animal, you know, so over the last year, I think on walking Ozzy, our dog, I uh, I think this is the, in the last year, the third time we've come across an animal who has been hurt by humans. The first two times were uh, wood rats that are in this area that were poisoned by anticoagulants. So we definitely didn't want to release them here. So they were a little bit dehydrated. It wasn't clear how long, when it was they last had their last meal. They were definitely traumatized. We wanted to make sure they were warm and uh, watch them for a couple days so that we knew they were feeling better and we wanted to figure out where we could put them where they would be safe. Exactly. So you got an old aquarium out that we had used for some fish we rescued many years ago and put some towels in there and some little boxes to hide and we put some food food and and water and we put so we put some of our oh and we also put put it on half of it on a heating pad. Yeah, because we were wor- we were worried about that they shock were cold, or, right? Yeah. So that and From, we yeah. we put it on half so that if it got too warm, they could crawl off of it or they could scamper. Well, we off put it under it. the cage, right? Under yeah. un- under the aquarium itself, right? Uh, with a with a lid on it with holes in it, that so that they, they could breathe. They could so get air. anyway, so we watched them, and they fell asleep, right? Yes, they were exhausted, poor yes. things. Yeah, so mostly they slept, but we'd go in there and check on them, and of course, wake they'd wake up and scurry away, but they were. They were doing really well. And so they did great. And after a couple of days of watching them, we found a perfect spot for them. But before we released them, uh, I went back to the area where I oh, found yes. okay. the so first part two, of two mice. And unfortunately, you know, when I came across the mice the first day, I thought, okay, these are guys are in the middle of the road, you know, and I grabbed them and I called you and you came pick me up. It did not occur to me to see if there were other glue traps around. and uh, Actually, that's not, you're probably not remembering, but I asked you at that time, did you look? And you said you had looked. Okay, like, yeah, I don't remember. Of course you would have. That's okay. so you. You wouldn't yeah. have left without looking Okay, for I don't remember. Yeah, I know, you were very stressed out. Okay, anyway, so, so I... So there were none that you could see in the immediate In area. that area, in yeah. That area. So, yeah. okay, that that's fair. So about maybe 500 yards from there, there was the next morning when I went back up there, there was a, a plastic shopping bag that you might get at a store when you buy something. And I walked up to it to check it out, and there were... In an area where people dump garbage in our neighborhood. Yes. There's always So it's a turnaround yeah. where cars can drive up the hill, turn around, and then go back down. And occasionally, I mean, there was... Even that day, there was a tire yeah, that somebody can, threw, and a... occasionally I find just trash and right. just pick up the trash, carry it home, and throw it in our trash can. But So there was a bag, and I looked inside the bag, and there, were, there was another glue trap, uh, actually a number of glue traps, but 
one of them with two mice on it who were dead. And I touched the mice to see if they were still moving and they were not moving. And, uh, you know, to verify when you see an animal and you're not sure if they're dead or not, you touch the eye because the blink is, um, what, what's the word for a response? It's an autonomic, autonomic response. Yes. So if they're alive, they'll blink even if they're unconscious. So they were dead. Uh, and I remember like, who would do this? Who would throw uh, a bag of live animals away on the side of the road. And then I heard oh, God. Yeah. a mouse crying. And so I went back into the back to see if they were alive and it wasn't, but I could hear them. And so I was frantically looking around. And, and it's a very wooded area. It's a very wooded yeah. area. And, the and there's multiple, here. yeah, there's yeah, multiple the levels. So I jumped down into the creek. I left Ozzy on top. I told him to stay there and I jumped down into the creek and hidden from the road I found I found a, another trap two actually and a mouse flattened between them and partially I stepped on uh, and he was crying and I looked and you could see that his yeah his guts so were out yeah too, but right? they were yeah. being held by the glue, by the glue and he uh, he died shortly after I found him and I scoured the area, and there were no more glue traps. And in fact, you know, normally when I take Ozzy for a walk, I let him decide which direction we're going to go. And every day we go on a different walk. I, and now we go there because I want to make sure. And thankfully, there hasn't been uh, any more. So I did total found five mice, and but only those two survived, and they were in our in an aquarium in our bathroom. Right, and it's, so it's probably somebody had left that bag that was in the tire and somehow maybe, how did, how did, we don't know how those other glue traps got out of the bag, but how clearly they, they were all from the same. How they dump. scattered. I did yeah. find one empty glue trap upside down about 20 feet from where I found the mouse who died. And so I, I can only speculate. And I think what happened was somebody threw the mice and this is a wooded area and there's a lot of animals. There's coyotes, there's raccoons. There's And, and I don't know if maybe an animal scattered them and then it was a little bit sticky and they dropped them. Right, but, but it, we don't think someone set glue traps in our in the woods near our house. No, Literally, no. They, they were, they were all bag. in this yeah. bag. Somebody brought them there and to basically... Throw them away, dump in the spot where people dump things. And yeah, and so that's what happened. But thankfully, I've been there a dozen times since then and there's no other mice but we did have we did have these two mice that survived and we held them for a couple days to make sure they were okay and then we built this little makeshift house for them we put a week's supply of food and we found a spot for them uh kind of a wooded grassy knoll area where there aren't people and uh we released them and went back a couple days later and clearly they were eating the food but they scampered yeah, there was off. some. The, one of the fruits had a little bit of a yeah, gnawing on but it. Dried they fruit. scampered off, and right. it was an off. Let, let me just say that that this event cast a pall, <laughs> a serious pall over this over this house. It was very. We've been at it for a very long time. So going on thirty years of working in the field of animal protection and animal rights and seeing some horrible things. And even prior to giving up a career as a prosecutor and going into this full time, saw some horrific things that people did to animals and to each other, frankly, and to their kids. And one of the questions that I'm asked a lot is how do you 
do this day in and day out for so long and remain positive because we're generally pretty optimistic people. I mean, like everybody else, we have moments of doubt, but we've seen all this tremendous progress, right? Just in the area of no-kill, we've seen an embrace of the no-kill philosophy across the country and thousands of communities and community shelters embracing the model and the death rate declining. And we've seen an explosion of plant-based foods and uh, a tremendous increase in their popularity and a, a, a meteoric rise in the number of people who are choosing plant-based options. So even though there's still billions of animals in the world being killed in horrific and, be and a bewildering number of ways, we've seen so much progress. And okay, so, so we've been activists for 30 years. For th and yeah. We have seen some like remarkable changes. Right, so I, I mean, there's even optimism that this just can just go on and on. And right. And even even in our attitudes. Remember, there was a time where I admitted to you that every time I saw a dog riding in a car uh, with his people, I thought they're probably taking him to the pound to get rid of him, right? I mean, that's how negative I was when we first started on this. Right. I think we were both that like, way. Like, yeah. And we share that story in All American Vegan, our cookbook, where how where our optimism comes from, well, basically, well, because when we met, yeah, we were both pretty pessimistic. Well, tell, tell the story about the little bird in the window you saw at the art right, shop, so, because we always refer to that. Yeah, this is Tony, a, this is a good, Tony the bird. <laughs> this is a good uh, story to show the, the mindset that we used to have, and then the way we approached our activis activism after kind of our awakening. And I, th I think we both credit our awakening about how much people actually do care about animals to the no-kill movement and seeing... Right the tremendous response to to the message of, of the no-kill our organization the no-kill advocacy center over the, and how much things have changed but anyway to for, to put this into context so uh, the town where I worked for many years on the main street there there was a photography studio and in it there was a, a bird I can't even remember what kind of bird was he, he, was he, he a parrot I think I was think it was a little uh what, like what a, are the little yellow birds like, like a, a finch or a, a canary or a finch okay so he's a little, little bird a little, little yellow bird little yellow bird and he lived in this photography studio and you and I would notice when we drive by at night that there, there was a light on his cage and he, you could see him at night. And So this bird never got darkness. Right. And okay. Well, that was the alarm. We knew that, you know, as advocates that factory farms keep animals, chickens in, in uh, they want to maximize their production of eggs or their growth. So they're kept in too much. They don't get enough Right, because nighttime. when when it's nighttime, they hunker down, they don't lay eggs, and eating. they rest, right? right? And, and so in order fatter. to maximize both growth and egg production, they almost never get night. And so we saw this little bird... Never getting night. Never getting night, and we thought... And well, well we thought, because this, this was a photography studio, and they had some very artistically lit images in the windows and so we thought they were treating this bird like he was a work of art and not a little individual well a work of art, art sounds too uh, too positive because he is a beautiful little work of art we thought no, as an inanimate is, painting <laughs> right, basically right as if very like, negative right and so you wrote so okay let's wrote, be honest i wrote another letter like i you know right. i was constantly writing letters and um in this letter i basically explained okay so before you <laughs> before you go into the letter like so whenever we do advocacy now, when, for example, the city council needs to be notified by people to embrace a certain policy or to stop 
bad conduct, we always say write a polite letter so that people don't get defensive. But we we didn't. Well, we were like, what, 20? We were 20. (laughs) So you sent a handwritten letter to the owner of the art gallery. Yes, that, oh, God, the tone of it was basically just saying, you know, your animal needs nighttime and you have this light on all the time and, and okay, he's not making, a work of art. Yeah, you're making it sound too nice. You basically no, laid I into wasn't. him and told him you, that you're mistreating this bird. Right, right. And I, we must have included a we, self-addressed... You, uh, no, 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 you returned, I, I, you put your return address. Wow, that's really, Yes, okay. bold. And you got a, a card in response. Oh, my goodness. And the card... Oh. It's what you call... I mean, it's, um, they were gracious. Yes, and they apologized. To someone who was not gracious on the other end. Yes, right? and they they told us his name, Tony. To- we love Tony. How much they loved him, oh and my they God, didn't, didn't know. know. And Thank you. Yes, and ever since then, we drive by at night, and his cage was covered. Right, and he we was were asleep. Just like, oh my God, and, and it was one of those. Lightning like, moments. Yeah, where light bulb moments yeah, where we were, were like, well, you know what? It was one of those moments where we grew up a little bit. Yes, and we thought, okay, maybe sending uh, a <laughs> missile was not our first. Well, I think the what, biggest thing was just not to assume the worst. Yes, like we assumed the worst that they literally were are lighting him up like he was an inanimate object. Yes. Okay. So, but two things in our defense: one, we were twenty. Twenty. Yeah. <laughs> Something. And and second, we were both. Even before we met, in fact, that's how we met. We were both in in this movement where we saw cruelty all around us because neither of us came to animal sheltering in the traditional manner. We started out at becoming, you know, vegetarians and then vegans, and we were in the traditional animal rights movement, even though we were both doing animal rescue. In fact, when we first met, uh, I had a half a dozen cats, and you had more than that. Right. And we became kind of, we came together with combined our our, We became like a feline Brady Bunch. Right, exactly. Uh, and, uh, And so... Everywhere we looked, we saw how animals were used and abused and killed. And so we had a very dim view of humanity. But nonetheless, seeing the progress that we have made in all these different areas, we've become much more optimistic about the human capacity for good and the human capacity for progress. But seeing those mice on the road not right, because it was knocked such... me down. It was and knocked ab- you down. Yeah, it, you, yes. And you, it was because it wasn't people supporting some form of animal cruelty that they can't see that's locked far right. away and that they're inadvertently a part of this system because they're supporting it. This was someone actually having been completely heartless and cruel to an animal, to animals, like, and not even like throwing these live animals into the garbage as if they weren't alive. And not, then not in the, right, in the street. In and the, given that it's an area very popular with dog walkers. Who walk by these, this glue trap on the street. And these mice, when you walked by them. They squeaked. Called out, like, yeah. even the one that was smashed. That, that, as soon as he heard me, I could hear him squeak for me. Uh, and I went and I, I found them. So, and when I first found those toe mice, they were looking up at me and they were making sounds. They were, they wanted help. And so the idea, not only that somebody would throw them in the street, but that people would walk by them. Yeah, because and, it's probably likely that some people did. Yes, so and we, so my, our faith in yeah, was, people was, was, a dark day. was shaken. 
Uh, but then... But then... Yes. And then I... As you always do with stories. Yes. That, you know, we always try to, whenever we find animals that we've, we've rescued, like our pigeons or any kind of rescue that we do or some kind of experience like this, you always share it on Facebook. Yes. And so I put it out on Facebook I with photos and told the story and uh, wasn't sure what to expect, right? But the response... The response was, was amazing. Overwhelming. That post is the second best performing post I've ever done on Facebook. It has been seen well over, as of now, 1.2 million times. And there are over 11,000 likes and thousands of comments. And the overwhelming, I mean, Almost all of them are just these beautiful expressions of kindness and thanks. And and people, some people sharing their own stories of rescuing mice or going out of their way to like figure out how to deal with rats and mice in their own homes humanely. Right. And how they were able to get the mice out of their home without hurting anybody. And some of them going through these very inefficient, arduous processes over time on how they uh, gently evicted the mice from their home, realizing, too, that there was no malice on the part of the mice, and they were doing what we do. They're looking for a place to live, right, and a place to raise families and find food. And, you know, the creature comforts that humans excel in, they wanted to take advantage of it without realizing the house was already occupied, right? Right, exactly. And so and, and day, days and days passed as this, this post got bigger and bigger and bigger. And, and the and, expressions and, were so beautiful that it restored our faith in our fellow humans. I mean, no doubt that there are some people that I want to say don't aspire to be the best of humanity, but really heartless and cruel. But that's not the human story. The human story is the millions of people who have seen that post and found love and humanity and cried with us and grateful for what we did and told their own stories of how they did the same. Which brings us back to the central tenet of our advocacy of it has always been there's a better way, wanting to share that with people. Yeah. So not only this is how you rescue my soft glue traps, but now we want to share What's the better method? If you're not going to use these hideous glue traps, what do you do instead? And we have experience yeah, with we that. Yeah, we have experience <laughs> with that too. And uh, because our house uh, well, had that's, some that's an interesting story some interlopers well. yes. who, uh, uh, who, so, well, we, who are not welcome, but we wish them no harm, right? right. And, and we realized that there was no malice on their part. But uh, this was our home. They well, it's not to... a good idea to, for yes. them to be living in the walls, right? Yes. Because it can create all kinds of problems. Problems. Right? Uh, and also, we're n- e- even if we were the most the people willing to live with mice, we're not going to live here forever. And so we. Yeah, wanted... I think that's the biggest thing at that time is that if we let this problem continue, we don't know where it will go. And someday, if we want to move out, move out, right. then we're going to be leaving these. Little critters at the mercy of people who might not share our, our, our progressive views, <laughs> right. and so uh, we evicted them humanely. Yeah. So, and, and this is how we did it, right? So. But first, let's talk about how they came yes, to live in our that. house, <laughs> well, because that, it's actually it's a two-part story. Because we 
we were able to get to get them out once and then they came back. Right. And so, so this is actually a really interesting story for people who love wildlife as well and love animals as well is is there's some also some helpful tips in here about how to do that without creating problems for yourself. So our house is built on a slope. Overlooking open space. Yes, so there's have, tons of animals around our house. We are surrounded by a forest. Right. It's beautiful. So, so there are wild animals everywhere, everywhere. And, and then the rats moved in. Right. And the rats moved in because of the pigeon we rescued. Right. So uh, we currently have two rescued pigeons, but they came when we rescued our first pigeon, Commander Seymour Higgins. This was, what, 10 years ago? How many years? Uh, it's about years? 10 years about now. We found him um, in, in Oakland in a gutter, and he had a broken wing. Because uh, he had been hit by a car. Hit, he was, think he'd been hit by yeah, a car. Yeah, he was hiding under the Under a wheel, a truck. like a, yeah. near a wheel of a yeah. car. So we got him and we took him to a vet and uh, he had a broken wing. And we were hopeful that when the wing was repaired and healed that we could release him. But he was unable to fly. He, he miserably failed the fly test when he was so gently tossed in the air by the vet and he... Plop back down. Plop back down. So he had permanent nerve damage, and we realized that he was going to He wasn't in any pain and no, I mean, wasn't aware that there was anything wrong. Because 10 years later, sometimes he still, he tries, still tries to fly, to fly. and he plops, plops over. Yeah. <laughs> so he's not in any pain, but he cannot be released anywhere. So he became a Winograd. Right. So he lives with us, and we wanted him to still be outside. So we... Uh, bought an aviary and we put have, it on a deck we have, we have a, large a large deck square deck and we put a large aviary out there and he lived out there with then another pigeon that we adopted from a rescue group to be his companion that's another who story. also couldn't be released right. right and we wanted them to be together we wanted them to be able to go outside on our deck now pigeons are very social messy eaters so you when you see them they they're they like to peck the food and it goes flying everywhere so we didn't really realize, we didn't think that was a big, we didn't care. Well, we I mean, it's it open day. space all around right. us. And so if some seeds landed cares, around our house, right? what does well, it matter, right? If it brought the rats. After that weekend, <laughs> we got rats because the birds were spreading the seeds everywhere. So we ended up feeding them in a bin and that kind of took care of that problem. But then we had rats, right? Right. We could, and how did we know? We so, could hear okay, them. But that's the first Moral of the story of if you don't want mice or rats in your house, people feed birds, they feed critters. If you're going to feed wildlife, you have to find a way to make it clean. Yes. However, the rats were already in our walls. Right, and they, it was a good place to be. So We looked online and we found... Oh, a, how do we... Well, we knew we wanted to rodent-proof, right. which is excluding rodents from your house. Sealing all the holes... holes using humane traps, getting them out, and uh, releasing them Elsewhere. away from our house right. uh, and making sure that they couldn't get back in. So we went online and we looked exclusively for companies that identify Said, themselves as, as humane. humane. Right. right. And, and what happened? So I called numerous companies, talked to them, got one company on the phone that assured me that they were, they were humane. And, right. and I said, there's going to be no trapping. There's going to be no glue traps. There's going to be no anticoagulants. Nothing. All we want you to do is is exclude them. So no killing. No killing. No poisoning. No poisoning. And right. some some said, well, we're not the company for you. Right. We were like, okay. Even fine. though they claim to be humane. Right. But and, and I think one of the things there is that companies know this goes back to our restoration in terms of faith in people. I think companies know that if there is a humane option, 
no killing, no poisons. People want that. So a lot of companies claim they in their ads, say we're humane, and then you call them. And if or, you well, he showed up at our house. You remember, right? One, well, one some of the companies on the phone with said traps and right, right. But before that, some of the companies when we called them on the phone said we kill, which is not humane. But nonetheless, they well, identified they themselves that, as they, humane because they said that we use snap traps, right. and that's humane. But that's not you, you can't humanely kill an animal who doesn't want to die. Correct. So and then some no. of them assured us they were humane and assured us they could do it without killing, and then. Their technician showed up the next day or whenever they came with a bunch of traps right. to kill them. And it, it's, and started assuring – and this is the most irritating thing about it – assuring me that there was no other way, that you can't, you can't do it humanely. So we – And we were like, no. We sent no, them on their way. You. We said, no, thank, no, you, thank you. Goodbye. Right. And then so we knew that we were going to hire a company that was going to do things on our term um, in which we finally found one. So – so what were our terms? Our terms were, okay, so we're going to have all the insulation removed because in our case, we found out that they were living in our insulation. And so once the insulation was removed, then we had it uh, cleaned and sanitized. That's important because if you don't remove the smell of the of the rats having been there, it'll just invite more rats to come in. So once the insulation has been removed and once you've clean and sanitized everything, the next step is rodent proofing. There's a lot of ways that rodents can get into a property. In our case, it was good because this company, those companies specialize in this and they know where to look. But in the event that a person wanted to do this themselves, you have to figure out where they're getting in. And there's a lot of information on the internet about that. But then what, what materials do you use to seal things? Because the kind of materials that you use depends on the kind of opening that you have. So that's definitely something people should educate themselves about. Right. Right. Okay. The next thing the company you hire is going to want to do is to replace all the insulation right away after they seal the holes. And you don't want to do that. And the reason they want to do that is because these are really insulation companies, not necessarily rat proofing companies. And that's where they make their money. But what we told the company is we just want you to remove the insulation and seal all the holes. Because what you really want to do is monitor it for uh, at least a few weeks. We did it for over a month to make sure that there are no rats or mice still living there and you can't really monitor it if they replace the insulation. So you want to go through the attic or crawl space and make sure there's no poop. And when you are sure that all the holes are sealed, and for us it took us a couple of tries, then if you want you can have the company come back out and replace the insulation. And so we did two things. We got humane traps where they go inside and then they don't get killed. You when you're When they're there you can Release them. Release them. And we set and we up. check them every single day. Yes. Twice a day. Yes. And right. we set up cameras up there. So that we was... bought like, like $20, $30 web-enabled cameras that are motion detector. And we set them up so every time uh, there was movement in the attic or the crawl space, we got an alert on our phone. You know, And that was helpful for two reasons. Number one, we'd know if we had rats, but also we'd see where they were coming, potentially. Coming right, in. where they were so walking. So we could find right. the hole, the, the hole opening. And have, and have them come back out and, and, and seal, seal it up. And we caught some rats. That was the first time. You remember when you caught that rat and you saw where he was getting in. Yeah. Too. So when I released him, he I ran. saw him ran and I followed him and I saw that he actually went back into the house a place underneath. That they had missed. That they had missed. And so it was a weird place. It was like a pipe opening that correct, they were getting in. Where the main water pipe goes into the house. And right. so we sealed that up. We set the traps again and we actually caught everybody. 
Right. Right. And before we released them, sometimes we want we wanted to make sure that they weren't lactating females because if they were lactating females, it meant potentially there were babies still in our crawl space or basement. We were just going to re-release them and monitor it periodically until they got old enough. All right. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I, we didn't really think through that. Part, yeah, well, but, we, we I did. mean, worst case scenario, we're going to let a razor young, wean her young, and then trap them <laughs> and all. And then trap them all, all or wait till right. they're all out, right? I mean, yeah. we, we were fortunate in that we never had that dilemma, but we knew that it was. We're a, not going to leave, leave babies behind. Right. right. No babies but are we left behind. Boys. Right, which was so. great. And then we set up the oh, cameras. By the way, actually, that's a really good point is that you need to tell the people when they come to remove your insulation that if they find any nests with babies in it, to leave it. To leave it. And, and let then you come, know. And let you know. And then come right. back later. Right. Right. That's an important point. Right. And luckily we didn't have any of those. And so then the cameras kept alerting us that there was movement, but it was always, always um, oh, a so little cute. spider walking <laughs> through by the camera or a moth flying by. Right? right. So there were, I mean, there were little openings in, in the house, but it we seem to have solved the rat problem. And once a month I'd go, th- well, the cameras kept alerting us to spiders. And so after a while, Though we there never saw any no more rats. Rooms, right. And after, and we'd look for poop, right? Uh, yeah. And there was none. And so we solved the problem for several months. No, for years, I think. For years. Okay. Yeah. For years, we didn't have any okay. rooms. And then Tony came. And then and Tony came. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So and Tony is a squirrel. Who... So another balcony of ours. Yes. And so there was this little squirrel and I thought how terribly cute it would be to give Tony a grape. Right. And uh, uh, so uh, not related. There's a lot of Tonys in this story. There was Tony the little bird in San Rafael. Yeah, that's right. We should call this podcast the story of two Tonys. Yes. Okay. So anyway, so the squirrel comes to the deck and I thought how terribly cute it would be to give him a grape. And I tried to hand him a grape and he wouldn't take it. So I set it down and he came and he ate his little grape and went on his way. And I thought I'm going to get him to eat out of my hand. Right. And I don't even know what I was thinking. I, in my fantasy, I thought I'd be sitting out on a deck chair and Tony would be sitting on my lap eating grapes. I don't know. I wanted to <laughs> touch Tony. Uh, but uh, Tony told his friends. <laughs> and one grape led to, a bunch of grapes led to tomatoes and blueberries, uh, blueberries. and walnuts. And now and... a significant, I mean, we are, we run a squirrel diner now. Yes. Right. Yes. Every day. And uh, and it's not just squirrels. I mean, we have We have jays and we have birds oh, uh, of all kinds. These amazing these, pigeons. Yeah. What, these I don't, band-tail, are they, band-tail pigeons. Wild pigeons. Not yeah. not the kind of pigeons people normally see, but true like forest pigeons. Yeah, they're so beautiful. They're beautiful. Yeah. But if I don't wake up by 530 in the right. morning, I have an angry mob <laughs> on our deck demanding their breakfast. All right. So needless to say, we have another well, issue. Well, there's we two morals there. Yes. One is... As as cute as it is to see a squirrel eating a little grape. Yes. Be very careful and make <laughs> sure that's what you want to do. Because he's going to want to... If you give a, a, a squirrel a grape, he's... He's going to tell all his friends <laughs> and he's going to start making demands, he, right? right. Uh, yes. And there are some and you nights... you a sucker yes. for an animal making demands. <laughs> anyway, so... I mean, there are some days where I roll over and all oh, I want to yeah, do is you sleep. Won't, you won't get it. But anymore. I know that... They're, they're waiting for you. They're waiting. So I'm... I'm I am, it's a good thing you're a morning person anyway. Yes, but right. I am under the control of basically songbirds and, <laughs> and creatures of all... Morning creatures of all kinds. Right. So anyways, uh, but 
But you, when you, it's messy. They're messy. Yes. Also messy eaters. And it and brought so, back the rats and mice. The rat. They got into the basement and the crawl they space again. Okay, but so two things. So how did we fix the problem that I kept warning you was going to happen? We're going to have another situation here. Um, is to contain the seeds. So right. And, and so we bought a kiddie pool, like the kind we used to use when we were kids, where basically it's a little plastic circular pool and you filled with water when you were kids and shelters use them for dogs now. And we put the seeds in there and it contains, and, and it contains the seeds. And every night when Squirrel Diner closes for the day, we clean up. Yeah. And also we you, you clean it really well so that it's clean always it really a clean well. surface. So the yes. bird, no, there's no pathogens or anything. Right. And also no thing. smells that might draw... The nighttime critters like rats. Right. And we clean the railings and we just, it's a, every night you thoroughly yes. clean our It balcony. would pass a health and, <laughs> it would have an A in the window. Okay. There was a health Squirrel diner would yes. have an A. Great. Okay. So we, we, we basically redid the process again where we went through it, we sealed all the holes and we made sure, did a monthly check and make sure there was no poop. Yeah. And they we had, excluded they had found them a hole again. That they had not yes. found previously Correct. and we had not found previously. Correct. But we're free of rats and mice in our crawl space and in our, our attics. Okay, so what is the moral of this of these stories? Well, first when rodents or other animals take up residence in your home without an invitation, fix the house, don't hurt the animals. And second, there's always a humane solution to any perceived conflict of interest with animals, regardless of what the quote unquote experts might tell you. And in the best laid plans of mice and men, where there's a will for doing things humanely, there's always a way. Exactly. There's another lesson here. And and that is that, well, gosh, <laughs> we really want to thank everybody. We really, we had, there were some dark days here uh, um, this last week. And all the beautiful comments and the interest in our story and people sharing their own stories, going out of their way to help rodents um, and other animals that really restored our faith in humanity. So thank you. Thank you so From much. From the bottom of and, our uh, hearts, thank you. And um, and if you enjoyed this, uh, war, <laughs> these war stories, Winnie we've Rescue got, We've war got stories. 30 years of, <laughs> of war stories and yeah. all of them, not just, hey, look at what we did or look at what happened to us because everybody has war stories, especially people who are involved in rescue and animal rights and trying to make the world a, a, a kinder, kinder place. But we try to share the story in a way that people who are struggling with perhaps some of the issues we have, we did like, what do you do when mice move into your house, but you want to cause them no harm. Hopefully it helps people in their, with their own challenges. So. Right. And, and we share a lot of these stories in um, our two vegan cookbooks. Right. That's uh, sort, they have a sort of unique format to them where we, there's a lot of personal anecdotes in our cookbooks, the All American Vegan Cookbook. And, and the, the All-American, All-American Vegan Candy Cookbook. Candy Cookbook. And so um, those are available on Amazon and we ask you to check them out. But if you enjoyed this story and if you enjoyed hearing us uh, share our trials and tribulations and ultimately with a positive and happy ending for two of our fellow earthlings and for a restoration of our faith in humanity, subscribe to this podcast on Substack.